Hello, church leaders and friends. This is the Effective Church Leaders Podcast with Becky and Carrie Holton, where we provide support to church leaders. Yeah, we're back. We took a few weeks off from the podcast, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Well, we just needed a break, I think. Yeah, we did. Uh, it was good for us, but we're glad to be back. Yeah, we had COVID while we were off. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and it really it really did us in for it several slammed days. slammed us around a little bit, and yeah. And fatigue. Boy, I'm, I think I'm still feeling some fatigue from that. I know. I'm going to have to keep you awake through this, aren't I? You probably will. <laughs> I mean, lately, going to bed at 8 o'clock is not, that's not good not for okay. No, it's not no, okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we're good to go, except we got our shingles shot yesterday and that oh. slapped us around what in the world it's oh, like my goodness covid junior jab or something why did you make me go get that shingle shot because i don't want you to have shingles that would not be happy i time. want you to say that three times real fast shingle shot shingle shot shingle shot i'm Never not mind. no okay. not going there forget this humor this is not humor go on honey start <laughs> well, us off we are glad to be back so hun what are we talking about today well in our last podcast we began a discussion on the present reality of so many churches mm-hmm. churches that are closing And we said that in the next episode, we would discuss what churches could do to keep from closing their doors. Yes, and our listeners might want to go back and listen to episode 123 on church closures before listening to this one, because in that episode, we affirmed that there are times when churches must close their doors, but that doesn't mean the church is a failure. No. Uh, but we also want to express the wish for more church plants and that no church would have to close. I think we're just in a personal campaign along with the rest of the church to win the world for Christ, and we do not want to see any churches closing their doors. So, in other words, you are somewhat speaking out of both sides of your mouth, right? Well, yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) We, we, We want to see every church remain healthy and growing, because surely that's what every church leader also wants, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes, of course, but... We also understand that for some churches, well, the closing of their church doors might be the best option. We just grant that. Mm -hmm. So in this week's episode, we want to talk about possible solutions, right? I'd say that's kind of ambitious for us, don't you think? It is ambitious. And you know, now that I think about it, I'll share a story recently. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> that our leaders might, I mean, our, our leaders and friends and listeners might appreciate. Uh, recently, I went somewhere and preached a sermon on how the church needs to move out of the past and move forward. And we were eating dinner with some of our neighbors recently. And the uh, the neighbor woman asked me, she said, well, what advice do you give? How do you, how do you leave the past behind? That's hard to do. How do you do that? And I said, well, I'm not sure. And you know what she said? She said, well, you're a fraud, aren't you, to to bring that up and not give me a solution. But then I gave her an answer. But that was a special moment. (laughs) It was a special moment. So this is ambitious of us to be Mm -hmm. talking about how to keep the church doors open. But it's something we do need to talk about. Right. And and I think... We just have some recommendations. We're not saying we have all of them. Yes. But some ideas that church leaders might want to think about. And first of all, our recommendation, and this goes without saying, but we're going to say it anyway. As a church, we must be devoted to prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, this is the time for God and his spirit to work on our hearts when we get on our knees and pray. It's really the time when we try, well, when God tries to align our will with his. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a question. I sometimes wonder if 
the reason churches are struggling so much and we are not being as effective in the world is because we are prayerless churches. Because mm-hmm. James talks about you don't have because you don't ask. Mm-hmm. Are we just not asking enough? I mean, I'm pondering that a lot these days. Don't you think we can all grow in our prayer lives? I know I can. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I imagine every church leader would say the same. Prayer is so important, but we so often underestimate its value and its power Mm -hmm. for sure. For example, we can and should pray for workers. Right, I mean, absolutely. This is this is Jesus in Matthew chapter nine. I think I have the passage right here, verse thirty-five. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful." But the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So mm-hmm. that's one thing we can pray about. We can pray about laborers who will go into the harvest. And you know what? We need to be the answer to those prayers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's part of prayer. When we pray that prayer, we are encouraging God to align our will with his will. And we become the answer to what we pray about. I love that. At least we can also be the answer, if it's not us, to helping find people that will be the answer. And and I also think we need to pray for boldness to share the message of Christ. In Acts 4.29, that verse, I think, is really, really amazing. And it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And then on down in verse 31 After they prayed, the place was where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Mm. I mean, their prayer was answered. Do we believe God will answer our prayers today for boldness? Oh, sure he will. He will, and that's a prayer I don't pray very often, and I need to get over that. Well, don't we all? I mean, mean, we need to be bold to speak about Jesus to our friends and neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know, even the Apostle Paul prayed for that. I'm looking now at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, where Paul wrote, pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. By the way, I wish I knew better what it meant to pray in the spirit. Anyway, that's for another day. To that end, he said, keep alert And always persevere in supplication for all the saints and pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. So even the apostle Paul felt the need for prayers to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. So then our first suggestion, right, is to pray. Uh, pray for the health and growth of our church family. Right, because I think prayer is a reminder of our mission to seek and save the lost. Mm-hmm. There's some churches that are closing more than likely because, I mean, because of other factors, people are moving away, population decline, and so on. But one factor may surely be that churches are not seeking and saving the lost. Maybe they've turned inward, so their church is dying. Prayer gets us on our knees for the reason we exist. Yes. I agree. Okay, so here's a second suggestion, and that would be to revive in the hearts of the members of the church the mission of the church. So I'm tagging into what you just right, said. Right. You know, we often need this reminder. 
Yes, we do. That the reason we exist is to seek and save the lost. Now, that's why Jesus said he came, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. That was the marching orders that he gave to his disciples. Our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew chapter 28. So we need to be reminded of that very often, and that mission needs to be revived in our hearts, don't you think? It it does, but the question that begs asking is what can be done to raise awareness? You know, that would be a strategy church leaders could employ. What are they going to do as spiritual leaders to help the members of their congregations be more aware of the mission and be more dedicated to following the mission, carrying it out? I mean, our listeners can have probably many more ideas. I mean, basically, there's still Bible classes, and those could be taught on the mission. There can be sermons on the mission. There can be online courses. There can be podcasts. There can be small groups that focus only on what it means to carry out the mission of the church. There are multiple, multiple ways to do that. And I think it just requires the church leaders to focus on how to facilitate that strategy. Good. You know, I think one thing, too, that we could do is we could publish more than we do the stories of people who have turned to the Lord. I love that idea. The stories of people who have opened their hearts to the message of the gospel and how their lives have been changed by Jesus and by God's grace. I think that would be very motivational. Well, don't get me going on this one. You know, I think we can publish them, but I also think we need to hear them. People being able and willing to share with people exactly what Jesus said to the man who was healed, he said, go and tell what the Lord has done for you. Exactly. And I think we need to give people opportunities to share what the Lord has done for them so that other people will think about what God has done for them. Yeah, well, I don't mean just publish in written form. I mean, get that person up behind the microphone on Sunday morning. I, I and, think they're, yeah. Behind the pulpit and say, here's what the Lord has done for me. I'm a new Christian, and here's how I've changed. Praise be to God. Make videos and small groups videos. and listen to it, and then they share in those small groups Good. what the Lord has done for them. There's a multitude of ways to do that, but how little we spend in our time with each other talking about how good God has been Amen. in our lives and sharing that. But we probably need to move on. And a third suggestion we would share with church leaders today is to encourage our young people to become gospel preachers. Mm. Just as there are churches closing, oh my, there's a similar shortage of preachers. And this was reported by our Christian colleges and schools of preaching. Very few are training to become gospel preachers these days. And I wonder why that is. Do you have some thoughts on that? It's true, the problem you've raised. That's something we need to ponder. Yes, it's true. Uh, Well, possibly, possibly. One of the reasons is that parents are prioritizing jobs for their children with better pay. Hmm. Now, I do know that some preachers today are are making good pay. They they are being cared for well by their churches. But some aren't. But some aren't. But but I would imagine, too, that there are parents or have been parents who have said to their young ones, uh, you know, you can make more money if you go into this field instead of the field of ministry. And that, that probably, sadly, is is true. And surely, I think we should say this, this is the seedbed for gospel preachers. It's the Christian home. Mm-hmm. It's not the Christian college. 
It's it's not even the church. Well, the church can help, but it's, it's not the youth minister. No, it's the Christian home. So we need more parents who will encourage their children to preach the gospel. You know, I think another reason may be that parents and families have seen the way some preachers are treated and how stressful is the work of a minister. And goodness, they just don't want their children to suffer this kind of stress in life, which is often stress that comes from other church members. Right. So, and that stress is palpable. Yes, I get that, that they just don't want to sign them up for that kind of, sometimes it's abuse. Sometimes it's just so painful. Well, and I think parents could also talk about the rewards of being in ministry, mm-hmm. uh, the advantages of being in ministry. The, uh, but that's a, that's another matter. Right, because there's no job that's all perfect. Uh, exactly. Yeah, all exactly. jobs have ups and downs. Right. But I do think that something we need to address is, again, how we treat each other and that we're not a reflection of the culture. We're a reflection of the Holy Spirit growing fruits in our lives. So often you find churches where there is a lot of criticism, a lot of of negativity. People are hurt and injured Mm -hmm. by the way they're treated. So Mm -hmm. I can understand why parents see that and they say, I don't want my kids going to that field. Yeah. Right. Anyway, you know, I said earlier that the home is the seedbed and I really believe that that is true. Don't you? Yes, I do. Okay. Chime right in there. But there is a place (laughs) for churches too, to support the training of gospel preachers besides the need for parents to encourage their children to become church leaders and to train for church leadership, there is something each of us can do. We can do some shoulder tapping. You know, we can go to the young in our congregations and say to particular ones, you know, I see a lot of potential in you as a leader or as a minister in the Lord's church. I just want to encourage you to consider that vocation because there's nothing better in the world than serving the Lord full time. I mean, there are other things that can be uh, other ways to serve the Lord, but to serve the Lord full-time in ministry, nothing better than that. I just want to encourage you to consider that for your life's vocation. And I want to add here that when we say Christian home, we're not saying that it has to be the perfect home with mom and dad and all of that. The scriptures are full. Let's take Timothy, for example. His daddy wasn't even a Christian, but his mother and his grandmother raised a godly disciple of Jesus that was so influential um, for the early church and, and just powerful. I mean, we could, we could talk about others as well, but besides the need for parents to encourage their children to become church leaders and, to train for church leadership. There is something each of us can do. And you have already talked about shoulder tapping. And I think we all need to own that responsibility. We all need to see it as our role to encourage full-time ministry. And surely uh, all the Bible class teachers, you know, all of us, youth ministers, the person in the pew that sees a kid at church that is going to come up to them and say, wow, Thank you for being here, and I'm so proud of what you're doing, and surely churches need to see this as one of their roles, all of us individually, but as a church, that instead of turning it over completely to other people, or especially Bible colleges, Christian schools, like we said, youth ministers, every single one of us needs to be on point in helping shoulder tap people that will carry out the Great Commission alongside of us. Good. Well, let's consider another suggestion to prevent church closures. And here we're going to offer a suggestion that uh, might be a little bit more adventurous or one that uh, church leaders haven't thought of so much. 
and that is to think of alternative models. Mm, okay. okay. Explain what you mean by that a little bit more. Well, all right. Mr. Alternative well, Models. you know, we, we have known uh, for most all of our lives, honey, we've known a traditional model. Mm-hmm. And I mean by that, a group of Christians hire a minister, and then they build a building. But are there other models than the traditional one, other models that might be effective in these troubling times of church decline? For example, is there a house church model that might work just as well? It might work well anywhere, but actually it might work very well in rural areas, areas that have a difficult time attracting church leaders and ministers and have a difficult time affording Mm -hmm. to pay ministers and Mm -hmm. to support a building. Well, some churches, and I think especially those in rural areas, find that their church is no longer sustainable. Well, we should say the traditional model of church is no longer sustainable. You know, they reach the point that they can't afford a full-time minister, or they determine they can no longer afford to maintain a church building and pay the utilities and insurance and other expenses that come with the traditional model. Exactly. You know, church buildings are and have been a blessing. Uh, mm-hmm. they, have, they have been useful tools in the health and growth of the church. But on the other hand, they can become something like an albatross around our necks. You know, maintaining a church building requires a lot of money. Right. And when a lot of money has to be funneled into that, it can really interrupt the mission, sure. I think. And I think we have to remember that the church is not the building. Preach it, sister. You go. A church, a church family, the people who comprise a, a church in a given locality can flourish and thrive without a building. It's what they did in the first century. Uh, a building is not required to be able to have a church. I'm so glad you made that point. Well, you're welcome. The church is not a building. The church is people. And we learned that when we were young. We but did. it's easy to forget. With all the hand motions and everything. Right. <laughs> so a house church model might be an effective alternative for some churches. That is, churches who want to become less building dependent. And in fact, churches that may be more elder-led than preacher-led. You know, in in many parts of the world, the church has to be underground. Mm -hmm. They have to be quiet. House churches is the only way that you can function in some countries. For example, other religions are illegal in China. And, you know, you can't own a church building in China, in Cuba, in other places. So underground house churches or churches that are that are just kind of secretly to the side are the only way the church can survive in other places. Well, guess what, honey? This was true of Christianity for the first three centuries of her life. I mean, it was an illegal religion in the Roman Empire. They could not buy property. They could not construct church buildings. So what did they do? Well, they met in homes. They met in cemeteries, and they met other places. Or catacombs. Catacombs. You know, I still remember visiting the catacombs outside of Rome that one time when we were on our way home from seeing our kids in Mozambique, Africa. I will never forget that. Mm -hmm. As long as I live, where we were able to go down into catacombs and and just sit down in those underground tombs Mm -hmm. and see where people actually worshipped God years ago when it was illegal for them to gather. That was an incredible experience, and it was so helpful and formative for my spiritual life. It was a moving experience, wasn't it? It was. 
I we had some tears going on just being able. It was an honor to be in that place. Well, you know, we talk about house churches, but the New Testament speaks often of the existence of house churches, as our listeners are well aware. Sure. Churches that met in homes. I guess we could say that the house church model is really more biblical than the traditional cathedral model. Uh, However, we're surely not saying that it's wrong to build a church building. We surely believe that churches have the right to construct buildings for doing their work and worship. And in many cases, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. It's a useful tool. Absolutely. They certainly have the right and to construct buildings. Uh, But, you know, I've been reading that church consultants are expecting an increase in the number of what they're calling micro churches, Mm -hmm. which is the same as house churches, Mm -hmm. maybe not in houses. But so perhaps this is an alternative that is starting to catch fire. It's starting to become more popular. It's much more viable. It may be meeting some needs of a different generation that the cathedral model might not. But anyway, it is becoming more popular. Boy, don't we wonder what the church of tomorrow will look oh like. Oh, my goodness, uh, yes. Don't, don't we wish we had a crystal ball? I mean, I think the times, they may be a changing. They are. And, you know, speaking of alternatives to the traditional church model where each church has a building and their own paid minister, there's a possibility that two or three churches could share a minister. I know they do that in rural areas even mm-hmm. today. And, and you know... <laughs> That sounds a lot like the pioneer days in America when circuit-riding preachers went from church to church to church. They were assigned maybe three or four churches that they would visit in a month's time. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading, I think I was in college, I read a book on that, and I was just, it was amazing, the dedication, not only of the circuit-riding preacher, but of his family. Hey, did you know that my great-grandfather was a circuit-riding preacher? Really? That's right. Which Daddy, one? Daddy Butch's father was a circuit riding preacher. I did preacher. not know that. He was a circuit riding preacher in the Methodist Church. That's amazing. I Interesting, mean, huh? Well, reading that book, I, I mean, the whole family was on board with this because the preacher might be gone for a month and the wife and the kids would be left at home. Right. And she was supportive of this, but it was so hard because sometimes they didn't have money for food and but there was such boldness and dedication. Well, to you the know, gospel. this is another topic, darling, but you brought it up, didn't you, that we probably need to become less dependent upon paid preachers, paid staff, and each individual Christian needs to develop spiritually so they can feed themselves. But like right. I said, that's a tangent. We better leave it. Well, alone. it is. <clears throat> I think that's something we probably do need to talk about. But another alternative that I want to mention might be for churches to meet in rented buildings. Um, You know, when we first started in ministry and we were in Connecticut, we rented a school building Mm -hmm. and um, it worked well Mm -hmm. for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And it was certainly a money saving alternative to a young planted church. Sure. Well, we're probably nearing uh, our time limit or at least what we want to be our time limit. So let's sum up. We've talked about the value of prayer. And of raising awareness of our mission to seek and save the lost. We've talked of the need to encourage and train more ministers of the gospel. We've talked briefly about considering alternative models of church, like house churches. Uh, Do you have any other suggestions you want to throw in here before we close? Well, I know both of us just really want to encourage church leaders to think outside of the box. You know, to return to Scripture, to pledge again, to be what followers of Jesus should be and what they were in the first century, because we need a revival. Amen. 
Because the point is, is to get people to Jesus. And it doesn't matter if it's in a church building or a coffee shop or a living room or under a tree or a bank conference room. Let's help people get to Jesus. You're just preaching it today. I'm sister. on it. I'm yes, on you it. you are. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, I agree. And with that, I think we better bring this brief discussion to a close. Right. And before we close, we might add that we will be changing the way we do podcasts very shortly, meaning that instead of randomly going from topic to topic every week, we intend to spend some time on a particular subject, and we hope to go deeper on a single subject that maybe we haven't in the past. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that again. Uh, we, We want to do seasons of podcasts, and our first season will begin in just a few weeks. The topic that we want to consider is elders in general, but we want to spend maybe six to eight weeks on this topic, and we're excited about this change. Right, we are. I mean, we think it will help us to concentrate our podcasts on a single area of concern and and maybe even to go deeper into a subject. We, we hope this change will be helpful to church leaders, and we really do believe it will be. Yes. Well, thanks for mentioning all that. And we'll have a lot more to say about this in the future, friends. But for now, plan to be with us again, church leaders, when we return with a brand new episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we believe everyone deserves the opportunity and the support they need to become more informed, more confident, and more effective church and ministry leaders. God bless you all in your service. 